The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. We're bringing you the electrical industry experts you need to hear to discuss the topics you need to know about. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of The Electrician Podcast. As you may be aware, the second amendment to the 18th edition of the wiring regulations, BS7671, opened as a draft for public comment on the 21st of September. This will remain open for comments until the 11th of December 2020, so make sure you take part and have your say. The DPC is available on the BSI Standards Development Portal, and we'll provide a link for you in the show notes. Okay, good afternoon everybody. Welcome to this live uh, Facebook Live session uh, with Schneider Electric. Um, but today we're going to be talking about the draft, pub, uh, draft for public comment on Amendment Number Two of BS Seven Six Seven One, Two Thousand Eighteen, uh, formerly known as the uh, IEE Wiring Regulations. My name is Kieran White. I'm a Category Manager from Schneider Electric. Uh, we're joined on the line with Deepak Sharad, who is the Offering Development Manager, and we're very pleased to present this afternoon John Bradley, who is the Chairman of the JPL Sixty Four Committee, who look after the uh, technical aspects of the uh, BS 7671 um, regulation. So at this point, I'll pass over to uh, John. And the um, the benefit and the, the opportunity this afternoon is to, to have an overview for yourselves uh, of what the, the main amendments are, uh, are looking like uh, for the regulations. And also, we do encourage you to, 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 be, to play, play an active part, put some questions in the chat box, uh, which we'll address at the end, but also as, as people within the industry, uh, it, is, it is really your opportunity to, to make your, um, your, 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 your opinions known and have an input into um, possibly how the regulations will change. Now, if you are a member of any trade organizations, you may wish to do it for that channel, or you can do it directly um, to the uh, uh, IET, and there'll be a link put in the chat at the end of this. So for now, I'll hand over to John and he'll talk you through the, the main highlights. Good afternoon, John. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I should mention that uh, the reason I'm here is that I work part-time for Schneider Electric as a standardization manager. And um, if I give any opinions uh, in this, uh, in this uh, session, then they're given in that capacity um, as a standardization manager for Schneider Electric. I can't speak for uh, the Wiring Regulations Committee or the British Standards Institution or the IET for that matter, uh, even though I'm chairman of, that, uh, of the Wiring Regulations Committee. So here we are. I hope everyone can see the slides. Um, this is our subject for today, a look at the draft for public comment of Amendment 2 of BS 7671 2018. Um, and a reminder, of course, that that is the IET Wiring Regulations 18th edition. That's its other title. Um, a look at timelines, first of all. The 18th edition itself, the Blue Book, was issued on 1st of July 2018 and it came into full effect on the 1st of January last year, 2019. 
Uh, we've already had one amendment, amendment number one, which deals mainly with electric vehicle charging installations. And that was issued on 1st of February this year. Uh, it could be used immediately, but it had to be used for installations commencing on after 31st of July. Timeline for amendment number two. Well, amendment number two is available as what's called a draft for public comment. Uh, it was issued on 21st of September this month, that is 2020, uh, for viewing and comment. And the last date for submission of comments is the 11th of December. Now, anybody can make comments. Absolutely anybody can ma make comments. You don't have to be a member of the IET or a, a member of the tra a trade association or, um, or an electrical installer for that matter. Anybody can make comments. It's a British standard and the whole point of the standardization process is that the standard when it is published um, is uh, carries the confidence of anybody who might care to use it as far as possible. Um, when it is published, the, it'll be published, it's expected to be published in spring of 2022, which is uh, still a, a little while away. And it will be a, a document that incorporates the whole of BS7671, including amendments one and two. So it'll be a new book. Now, how can you access the DPC? Well, you can access it by using that URL there on the, on the slide, uh, which I think that will also be put in the chat box. Um, but you can get that URL from the IET website and you can also get it if you look on Google and just Google, how can I comment on the draft for public comment of Amendment 2, BS 7671-2018, you'll find your way there. That takes you to the uh, British Standards Institution website uh, and the particular spot. Now, the DPC itself is, is broken into four portions on the site because it's a big document. Um, chapters, chapters 1 to 45 in the first portion, chapters 46 to 55 in the next one, 56 to section 740 in the third one. It says four and four there. Um, and 753 to Appendix 17 in the fourth one. Um, in order to view the DPC or to make comments on it, you have to register on the site and then you have to log in. And then you can, uh, you can make comments. Comments have to be submitted by the 11th of December at the latest. Obviously, if you want to put your comments in through a trade association, if they offer that facility, they will need to put the comments in by the 11th of December. So they'll pro they would 
want the comments from you sometime before, I would think. So you'd need to talk to your trade association about that. Moving on then, uh, what is in the draft for public comment? Well, the DPC gives the proposed content of Amendment 2, which will be published in 2022. Now, I do stress that it is the proposed content, and um, this is available for comment. And when all the comments are in, uh, the relevant subcommittees of JPL 64 will consider those comments and amendment number two will be issued in due course. Um, some of the, much of the content actually in amendment two is based on what we call harmonization documents. These are Senelec documents um, from from Europe, we contribute to the development of those Senelec documents, but we're legally obliged to comply with them. And they have already been out to draft for public comment. But nevertheless, there's a lot in Amendment 2 of BS7671 that is UK national stuff uh, or that's otherwise available for comment. So whatever comments you may want to make, um, then put them in through the BSI website using the URL that was mentioned a few minutes ago. Amendment 2 will be the first full consolidated amendment of BS7671. Now, as, when you have a look at the DPC, a summary of all the main changes is given in the introduction to amendment number two, which is in the first portion of the document. You remember I mentioned there were four. It's in there um, and that gives you handle on all the changes, really. This summary is not exhaustive, but it's a a pretty good guide as to what all the changes are. So I recommend that you have a look at that to start with because the DPC itself is a big document. So you need to know what it is that you want to look at. Uh, in this session today, we'll look at some of the main changes. Couldn't possibly look at them all in the time. Well, to talk about uh, the first change that I want to talk about today, then it's in regulation 411.3.3. This is the regulation that calls for additional protection of socket outlets uh, by an RCD uh, with rated residual current um, rating of uh, 30 milliamps or less. And in it's proposed that in this regulation, it will no longer be permitted to use a documented risk assessment in order to um, emit RCD protection for socket outlets. Um, this, um, this dispensation was never available 
for domestic socket outlets in domestic premises anyway. It was only for commercial and um, other non-domestic situations. But it's proposed to remove uh, that exception. Um, and of course, this only applies anyway for socket outlets up to 32 amps. AC socket outlets rated up, up to 32 amps. Um, there is a note to the regulation that points out a number of things that are not regarded as socket outlets. And there they are listed on the slide there, a fuse connection unit, uh, lighting distribution unit, and some others there. And this is really to make the point that there are uh, other ways of connecting equipment than through a socket outlet. Socket outlets, of course, are great for things that you want to plug in and plug out, but there are other ways of connecting things mm. if you're worried about um, nuisance operation of an RCD for, for a particular item of equipment. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is in Regulation 421.1.7. This is a regulation that deals with AFDDs, um, arc fault detection devices, which at the moment, in the published edition of the wiring regulations, they are recommended. They're not required to be fitted on any circuit. Now, in the draft for public comment, you'll find that um, it's a requirement, no longer a recommendation, to provide AFDDs for single-phase circuits up to uh, su supplying socket outlets or fixed current using it. It's also recommended to provide AFDDs for all other final circuits. Um, except where this could lead to danger if there was an unexpected disconnection. The regulation gives a list of situations where an a, a, a unexpected disconnection could result in, um, in danger. And that's things like the exciter circuit of a rotating machine, uh, a lifting magnet uh, on a crane, uh, fairly obvious sorts of things there, but they are listed in the regulation as situations mm. like that. Uh, moving on then, now uh, we've got a, a definition, a new definition in part two of the wiring regulations and this is for what's called a protected escape route. And uh, the definition is written there. It's a route enclosed in specified fire-resisting construction designed for escape to a place of safety. Now, you'll see the significance of this when we go on to the next slide. And that concerns regulation 422.2. And this is um, really all about um, escape from where, where the conditions of escape are, um, are a consideration. 
Now, this talks about uh, protected escape routes, this regulation, and what it's telling us is that um, only certain wiring and equipment of certain systems can be installed uh, in a protected escape route. And that's uh, systems that are essential for fire safety or related safety systems. Now, um, essential fire safety or related systems generally means things like uh, lighting, emergency lighting, and fire detection and alarm systems. Um, there could be other safety systems uh, in situations like hospitals. And there's a reference in the regulation to an Appendix 13, a new appendix uh, included in the DPC. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, but the use of the idea of protected escape routes uh, is, is is being put into the regulation instead of the old idea of using conditions of evacuation in emergency. Uh, if you look in the published edition of the wiring regulations at this regulation, it uses conditions of evacuation BD2, BD3 and BD4, uh, the meanings of which are listed down there on the slide. And that's not really in tune with the way that the fire protection uh, industry does it, um, the, the way that fire uh, professionals do things. And the protected escape route is more in tune with that. So that concept has been brought into the wiring regulations for the UK. Um, it's not the same in Europe but this is what we're proposing to do in the UK. This uh, second regulation in section 422 that we're talking about here is 422.2.1. And this is about protected escape routes again and permitted wiring systems. And uh, what this is saying is that um, only cables meeting certain uh, requirements relating to flame propagation and uh, light transmittance uh, can be used and they have to be kept as short as possible, short as pra practicable and uh, not installed within arm's reach and there is a definition of arm's reach in the wiring regulations but what that's all about is so that they're unlikely to be uh, damaged during um, an evacuation of the building. Now, cable management things, uh, uh, cable management things like uh, trunking and conduit um, must, according to this uh, draft amended regulation, uh, be of limited smoke production. Uh, so that they don't inhibit the escape route. <clears throat> um, and they have to be of one or more of a number of types listed in the regulation. Um, now that is um, things like conduit systems, 
cable trunking systems, uh, meeting certain British standards, uh, cable tray and ladder systems, meeting certain standards, and power track systems. But generally speaking, for something to have limited smoke production, it's going to have to be steel. At least that's, um, that's the expectation at the moment. Although um, manufacturers may have other ideas on that. You remember I mentioned Appendix 13 a few minutes ago. Now this is the appendix. It's right at the back of the book or towards the back of the book. And um, this, is, uh, this gives some guidance on escape routes and fire protection. It gives, it tells you the types of building where you would typically expect there to be protected escape routes. It's not in every building. The idea of a protected escape route is really used in a building where the distance you've got to travel to get out of the building um, is, is too long just to rely on the escape route being short. So a protected escape route is something that you go through. It may take you some time, of course, because of the length of it, but um, something you can go through where you'll be kept safe until you do get uh, to a place of safety. So you begin to understand why it's important um, to keep uh, fire and smoke out of these things. Uh, the, re the appendix tells you about the types of protected escape route, that's a protected lobby, protected corridor, protected stairway. Uh, there's some more details in that appendix of uh, the types of services that can be installed, uh, serve, uh, served by cables, uh, situations where cables in a full, fully sealed non-combustible conduit, such as steel, could be acceptable. Uh, how socket outlets can be installed in a protected escape route. Um, and uh, available, um, yeah, and a, a reminder really that available fire safety information about the building um, should be consulted to identify which routes are the protected escape routes um, because not every corridor or lobby will be a protected escape route. And there's more information in the appendix, but uh, you'll see that when you get there. Now in this slide, we talk about regulation 443.4.1. It's about transient over voltages due to indirect lightning strikes. In other words, SPDs. This is a regulation that gives the circumstances where uh, protection by SPDs have to be provided in the circuit. Now the text has been simplified from what's in the blue book in an attempt to make the presentation and the understanding simpler. Uh, we've got in the regulation, we've now got only two indents instead of four. And um, they are um, 
that uh, protection, in other words, protection by SPDs has to be provided where the consequences of overvoltage could result in serious injury or loss of human life, including safety services or significant financial loss. Um, except for single dwelling units, all other cases where the consequence of overvoltage, of overvoltage due to lightning, uh, could be considered intolerable. Uh, a risk assessment has to be carried out. And um, note four talks more about that. Really, what it's saying is there needs to be a discussion between the designer uh, or installer and other relevant parties. And as far as um, a single dwelling is concerned, um, protection has to be provided unless the total value of the loss that would result in the property doesn't justify the provision of SBDs. Um, there is a note five that points out that in practice, in most single dwellings, uh, there will have to, there will be a, a lot of high value equipment that really outweighs the cost of providing SPDs. Uh, moving on then, um, yeah, in Regulation 443.4.2, uh, there's a reminder that uh, SBD protection uh, might be necessary because of switching over voltages. And that might not be just switching, uh, switching inside your own installation. This could be switching in the outside world as well, such as where uh, a generator supplies the installation um, or certain types of loads are being switched. Or as I say, it could be something outside the installation. Now in regulation 531.3.2, which deals with unwanted tripping, a new indent has been added to the regulation. And what it requires is that consideration should be given to the use of RCBOs in domestic installations. And the RCBO, as you're probably aware, is a combined MCB and RCD. And uh, what that means is then you've got uh, RCD protection for each individual final circuit rather than um, using something like a split load consumer unit where an RCCB controls a number of circuits. So the regulation isn't saying that you have to use them. Uh, but what it's saying is that um, consideration should be given to using RCCBs, RCBOs, sorry. Moving on then, in Regulation 531.3.3, Types of RCD, um, 
this is a regulation that points out that um, different types of RCD exist. These are type AC, type A, type B and type F, dependent on the behavior of the RCD in the presence of DC components or frequencies. In other words, whether the uh, DC content in the load current might uh, blind the RCD from being able to trip. And the regulation um, in the draft for public comment has been revised to state that for general purposes, only type A RCDs uh, should be used and that type AC should only be used to serve fixed equipment where it's known that the load current contains no DC components. And uh, that really means um, electric heating elements um, and filament lighting, that sort of thing, uh, but not stuff including electronic transformers or dimmer control. So much equipment these days um, does uh, incorporate transformers and um, electronic transformers, switch load power supplies, switch mode power supplies and that sort of thing that can cause DC content in the load current, uh, which would appear in any residual current uh, that should really be tripping the RCD. So what the regulation saying is you should be using at least a type A. Um, of course, there will be situations where a type B uh, or a type F uh, might be required depending on the type of load. And there is some guidance associated with the regulation that tells you the types of loads that will require this type of RCD. Moving on then, chapter 82, uh, prosumers low voltage electrical installations. Um, this is a completely new chapter that appears in the DPC. Uh, it deals with what's called prosumers, electrical installations, and a prosumer, if you look in the definitions in part two of the DPC, it says prosumer, an entity or party which can be both a producer and a consumer of electricity. So if you've got uh, solar panels on your house, um, as many of us have these days, uh, you're in fact a prosumer. You're a, not only a consumer of electricity, uh, but also a, um, a supplier of electricity back to the grid. Uh, now, this, this new section uh, deals with requirements for prosumers' electrical installations. Um, and it, 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 it's quite a long section. Um, it gives requirements and recommendations that um, for installations that incorporate local production and storage of electricity. Um, this can be some quite complex installations. Um, 
and the fact that the installation can operate in direct feeding, reverse feeding or island modes. Now you don't see much in the way these days at the moment of installations that can operate in island mode, that is um, separately from the grid. If you've got solar PV on your house at the moment, certainly you can't operate it uh, separately from the grid. And um, if you've got a, an agreement for feed-in tariffs, you may never be able to operate it from the grid. But the wiring regulations includes this section uh, for that type of possibility. Um, and there it is, that's the new section, new chapter, should I say. Um, I should perhaps mention that uh, chapter 82, the uh, subject of the last uh, slide here, it is a long section. I'm not going to attempt to, to go into all the detail, but if you uh, have a look at that section, you will see that there's an awful lot of detail there about interaction with smart grids and um, all sorts of uh, requirements on proper functioning and so on and operating modes. So moving on quickly, um, in, in the special installations um, section of the wiring regulations, part seven, in two of the sections, uh, requirements have been added for protection against um, a broken supply pen conductor. And that is in section 711, dealing with exhibitions, shows and stands, and in section 717, dealing with mobile or transportable units. And uh, the type of technology that's going to be required for broken pen conductor protection in that situation uh, is rather similar to what's talked about in amendment number one that was issued earlier this year for electric vehicle charging. A final reminder then that um, in this session we've covered only some of the main changes in include, included in amendment two, draft for public comment, and that's the changes compared with the presently published version of the wiring regulations BS 7671-2018 incorporating amendment number one. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, a summary of the main changes is given in the introduction to amendment number two in the DPC in the first portion. And that gives you a much fuller picture of all the changes. And that's it for me, from me. Thanks for listening. That was fantastic, John. Um, very informative. Um, as, as you did say, it, it's it's a, a highlight of the of some of the um, potential changes. And as John has said, please uh, take the time to follow the link. Um, 
and have a have a good look through all the changes um, um, that may uh, that are that may affect our industry moving forward. From a from a personal point of view, um, I've been 30 years in the electrical industry um, this year, and uh, I now don't look it. Um, and I started my apprenticeship on the 15th edition, which I believe was the brain book. Was it, John? I think it was. Maybe I can't remember now. But it, it, it's interesting to see how the um, every time we, we have an amendment, it's obviously there to, to increase safety and protection for, for people, um, property and, and obviously livestock. So and, and to see the, the addition of uh, another chapter wholly around um, the, um, the prosumer, now where we're not only consuming energy off the grid as we have done for for decades but now with solar power um maybe even a small wind turbine you're then producing your own and consuming your own energy um within your home before um having to, to buy in and as john said that the, the, the very few but there are some cases where people have been in that situation where they're they're in the island uh, format where they um where they are uh, you know consuming producing and consuming their uh, their own energy and any comments on that john uh, you're on mute um, oh yeah, you're okay yeah. Yeah. yeah well uh, you certainly can't do that in your own house now yeah. if you yeah. signed up for feeding tariffs uh, you certainly mustn't modify your installation in that way because it's all been installed by an mcs registered installer mm -hmm. and that's how you qualify for your feeding tariffs so um don't mess about with your installation, otherwise you, you will lose access to your feed-in tariff. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Important. No. Okay. It's, uh, it's uh, yeah, very informative. Um, we we will post in the um, comment box the, the link, uh, the live link, so you should be able to just click on it. That'll take you straight to the, the DPC, the draft for uh, public comment. Please, 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 um, you know, this is your opportunity uh, working within the electrical industry um, to 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 have a, a potential say in how the the regulations are um, changed, how they updated, always with the, the you know the underlying consideration to increase protection and safety. That's the way the regulations have always um, changed. And whether you do it directly or, as John said, through your own industry uh, trade uh, association, then please remember that date of the 11th of December if you're doing it directly. If you are doing it for your trade organization, please, please check with them to see what their cutoff date is because they have to um, assemble all their the comments from their members to then push through to the um, to the IET. So we haven't got any questions, but feel free to leave questions in the chat if you do um, listen to this later. Um, and as I say, um, I think there's, there's anything else to say, John, in closing? Um, yeah, I'd just add, um, it's always worth mentioning this, that the IET wiring regulations, the 18th edition, um, is not just the work of the IET. Um, the committee, it's a joint IET-BSI committee. Um, all the bodies that are represented on the committee are listed in the front of the wiring regulations and you'll find it's a whole host of organizations um, and uh, you know some individual experts as well um, and 
so that's the point. It, this is a British standard. Uh, it's supposed to have the confidence of the users. And it is important that users of the standard or anybody who's likely to be aff affected by the standard uh, have their say when we get these drafts for public comment. Absolutely the worst thing in the world is when a new edition of the wiring regulations is published and people are, are on forums and so on uh, saying, who are these people, you know, writing these things and um, that isn't the way it should be. Uh, it, it is a British standard. It's got to carry the confidence of the users. It shows a way of providing safe installations. So there we are. Have your say. That's Fantastic. it from me. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for, for Deepak as well. Um, uh, looking after the, uh, the questions if they were coming in and once again uh, thanks for attending on behalf of Schneider Electric myself and um, as and when there are some more updates we will no doubt reconvene and have another session but thank you for your attendance this afternoon thanks for listening if you are enjoying this show please leave a review hit subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes <laughs>